This episode of the Rock Solid Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Hello, I'm Lawrence Gallon from Styx, and you are listening to the Rock Solid Podcast. to be this is small town music this is big town music he's ahead of his time you know but he can't use it if only he could prove it well tomorrow's just a song away a song away a song away hey everybody welcome to rock solid the comedy podcast for all things music both new and classic i'm pat francis and joining me in the zoom room today is the man who has been holding down the vocals and the keyboards for over 20 years in the band Sticks. Please welcome Lawrence Gowan. Good morning. Hello there, Pat Francis. How are you, sir? I am good. Let me now let me ask you something. In 1993, you have a solo album called But You Can Call Me Larry. Yes. What do I call you? <laughs> do people call you Larry? Call me uh, only when I'm playing hockey with them. Actually, that's basically where that came from. Uh, uh, no, not really. When I joined Sticks, uh, someone someone did call me Larry, some Canadian person, and Tommy Shaw's wife immediately went, "Larry, who the hell's Larry? <laughs> uh, he's a Lawrence." <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I agree. I think you are a Lawrence. It's it's more regal, if mm -hmm. uh, so to speak. It's funny when it, when we did that album that you're referring to. That's back in the uh, in the days before I joined Sticks. Uh, the in the 1980s, I was just a one name act in Canada, just Gowan. Just Gowan, and I'm still and I'm still known as that. When I go and play my solo shows, it just says Gowan. But in the 90s, we ne we needed to distance ourselves from that 80s uh, uh, goop that was on us because <laughs> the one named act had suddenly gone out of favor. By the 1990s so i decided to use my full name and uh, my manager at the time said yeah but you know when we're playing hockey can we still call you larry <laughs> so, well yeah when they're checking you against the board they want yeah to, you want to uh, screw you larry right exactly larry comes back with an elbow <laughs> uh, but the uh yeah that's that's basically where it came from uh, um and and we decided to kind of make a, a kind of tongue-in-cheek album title called Lawrence Gowan, but you can call me Larry, which uh, the DJs in Canada had a lot of fun with, uh, just like you are right now, Pat well, Francis. I ask it because I wasn't sure. I thought, well, maybe maybe he goes by the more informal. <clears throat> yeah, I wanted to I wanted to use the correct uh, thing, and I don't oh, want to do. I, I don't want to just call you Gowan. That seems dismissive. So that's that's totally fine. Whichever whichever one you feel most comfortable with, Pat Francis. But uh, Lawrence is what they call me in the band, and that's 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 probably where you want to go with. Then that's what we're gonna do. Okay. And, uh, and thanks to Ricky. Great Phillips. talking to you. <laughs> See you late. Good night. See you. Uh, yeah. And thanks to Ricky Phillips, you're no longer the new guy. You know, in fact, thanks to Willie Vankovich, I'm no longer the new guy. He's I actually forgot about him. The newest of new guys. The freshest and the uh, the youngest, uh, and uh, yes, with the the fewest uh, rings around the trunk. If you happen to come <laughs> open, um, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm in my just finishing. I'm in my twenty third year, so uh, yeah, I I very sadly have to relinquish the new guy moniker. People did still call me that for a number of years, even after Ricky had joined, and um, you know, as I say, I. 
I love when the name, when the word new is attached to my name in any way whatsoever. Uh, I'm always very pleased with that, but um, I got to tell you, I'm I'm the old, I'm the old new guy now. Well, you might not be the new guy, but I'm looking at you right now and I've seen sticks many, many, many times with Lawrence Gowan and you Mm -hmm. still look like the young guy. So bravo. Well, okay. Obviously the hair hasn't thrown you off. That's uh, that's good. Yeah. I, I actually dyed it gray just so I'd look like those hip young ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Let me tell you about my relationship with the band Sticks. I had only seen them once, and it was on the reunion tour in 96 or 98, whatever that was. That's funny. That, that was 96 and 97, and that was the only time that I'd ever seen them live. It was in yeah. 97 when I did a couple of shows with them in Montreal and Quebec City, and I'd never seen the band live until that that time as well. So we have that in common, Pat. And, then, and they were fantastic. <clears throat> so then a few years later, they're back. And they've got a they got a new keyboard player, and I was like, sadly, I did not know about Lawrence Gowan. I did not know about Gowan. I did not know about Larry. Music. Yeah, Larry, <laughs> your music from, your music from Canada had never got into my DNA. Right. So my friend and I go. We're Big Sticks fans. We're excited, and we were hooked on Lawrence Gowan immediately. Wow. You hit it out of the park. I remember when we left, we were like, that guy is fantastic. And I mean, I don't know if that's always how you've been as a performer, you know, so enigmatic and so full of life on stage, or if you really had to amp it up on that first sticks tour (laughs) to win the old fans over. I don't know what it was, but you were fantastic and, and you just nailed it. And we've been fans ever since. Thank you very much for saying that, Pat. I'm glad you feel that way. Uh, what what year was that? Do you remember? Was it 99, 2000, 2001, something like that? I can tell you what you guys were. You guys were touring with the Sticks World Live 2001 oh, yes. album. Now look at this. Yeah. And then I don't know yeah. if you can see that, but uh, I met you after. Oh the show. yeah. 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 And right. it says. Uh, to Pat, number one Sticks World, Lawrence Gowan. And we were just, we were so thrilled it's just great. to say hello to you guys. It was super cool. That's that's excellent. Well, thank you for the, for all of everything that you just said right there. That was great. Um, I think the, the, the greatest compliment that I take to heart is when someone says, I saw the band and the name a year, whether it's 1996 or 97, or if they say it's 1978, or if it was 1981, <laughs> or, you know, I, I love when they say, you know, I saw the band then and I loved it and it's just as good now. And I love it just as much that to me is the ultimate, um, 
this is it, it, because I quite honestly, here's why. That's how I feel when I see the Rolling Stones. I, I, you know, I saw them with Mick Taylor. I never did see them with Brian Jones, other than on you know TV. But uh, I saw them with Mick Taylor, and when I saw them with Ron Wood, it was every bit as good. Yeah. And I thought, oh no, I can't believe this because Mick Taylor was such an integral part of that band in that era uh, of Sticky Fingers and and um, Exile on Main Street and uh, and Let It Bleed. But I think that there's something about the spirit of a band that has to survive uh, a monumental uh, member change. Yeah. Um, and that spirit has to be somehow carried forward with with whatever the lineup is and th these are realities of life you know it just it's 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 actually quite remarkable that sticks have only had 10 members since the beginning of uh of, of its 50 year history right your professional history uh the recording history and uh that's something that i think the guys in the band have been very astute about over the years as to who joins and why um, you know, when Tommy Shaw joined the band in, in December, I believe it was of 1975, they just had their first real success. And funny enough, it was in Canada. It was in Quebec with a song called Sweet Madame Blue. And uh, <clears throat> they very deftly, you know, brought Tommy Shaw into the band then. And instead of it being like, oh, man, just when you're getting successful, it's all it's, you know, you've changed it. It actually turned out to be a great thing. And it, it extended the life of the band. And I think. To a man, you know, the band has always had very, you know, intelligent and forward-thinking people who kind of brought the right person onto the the scene at the at the at that uh, at the right juncture. And so, when people, you know, say something like that to myself, I just feel, uh, you know, I, I take it as a as a great compliment. So, thank you. You you are welcome. And uh, as far as forward-thinking people, yeah, I mean, Sticks lyrics have always been more than your average band. Yeah. It, it, it's it's not about uh, partying in girls, which is great. <laughs> it's been more. Oh, yeah. I have nothing against that. <laughs> yeah, you know, nothing against that. Uh, yeah. My wife might have something against it, but you know. Uh, but yeah, just um, it's been more so that after all these years, those lyrics still hold up or still have different meanings. Yeah, that very good point. One of the things that I really liked. Uh, when I when I joined the band was you know the the songs that I felt I would be able to sing the best were the ones that I could connect to um, you know in some way and and personalize and see myself in the in the narrative as they say uh, you know I think that's part of what has get, has contributed to the longevity of the band is that they're very relatable lyrics you can you can you can see yourself in the human experience. Uh, quite quickly in in a song like Grand Illusion, especially now, you know, and, right. and I see myself in Mr. Roboto and I see myself in, you know, these are songs obviously that I was not part of the writing uh, of, but I can, you know, and the great thing is, you know, with Tommy J.Y. Chuck, when I joined the band, they, they never once uh, asked me in any, it, even the most remote fashion to try to mimic or sound, do a sound alike thing to the, right. to the records, but instead to kind of, give the most honest rendition I can of those songs. And within the band framework, um, they felt that it, it it worked, you know, particularly when our harmonies hit hit their stride. And um, yeah, I, so that's basically what I've tried to do over all the years, even up until last night, and I'll do it again tonight, is try <laughs> to, to put the song on the day um, where where it's relevant to, to what my life experience is to this very point to where we're playing these notes. 
and uh, singing these these lyrics and the audience seemed to jump in and see themselves in the songs as well. So that's a great testament to their longevity. And then thankfully, after all these years, we do have songs that Lawrence Gowan has written with sticks and yeah. sings in sticks. So you do have your repertoire of uh, of originals now that you can go yeah. to. Uh, last year, Crash of the Crown is released. Yeah. yeah. Where does that title come from? Well, okay. Um, Crash of the Crown was uh, a song that, uh, that myself, Tommy Shaw, and Will Ivankovich wrote together mm -hmm. uh, over the course of a week in Nashville. And we had several ideas, and they all kind of, <laughs> in some ways, metaphorically, they kind of crashed together. If you ever listen to the song, it's over, it's about four minutes long. We've yeah. been playing in every single show since the record was released. Um, and by the way, it's the first time that a, that a Sticks album went to number one on the, on the rock album chart of Billboard within like a week of it being released. So that was a, a great distinction, and it told us we were really, or we must have been doing something on the right uh, in the right path. Uh, so, Crash of the Crown to me, the, the album is very much about renewal and uh, renewal after a cataclysmic event. So uh, we we are seeing great institutions right now and great, you know. Uh, but even down to a personal level, we'll go back to that, where people see things that they may have put a great stock and faith in over the years, uh, over the course of their lives, have been shaken from the, the foundation, so to speak. And uh, and yet the resilience of, of humanity is to move forward. We had the song, but it became the album title when we when we listened to it again in the first few months of the, the thing that happened in 2020. Uh, we listened to the songs and realized, wow, these really are relatable to what we're going through because we'd written all but two of them were written prior to the, the the pandemic. And Crash of the Crown began to come to the surface on a number of levels. It was yeah. like, yeah, this is this is kind of the the cataclysmic moment that everyone's kind of facing at the at this time, and, and they have to find a way to navigate their way through it. Uh, I I the, the, funny enough the. Um, <laughs> It's odd that that crown and and corona in in Spanish means crown, and that was the name of the virus. And so, there are so many ways that you can interpret that title. I also like the fact that you can you can kind of figure out for yourself what does that what does that mean to me right. today. So um, that's that's the crash of the crown and why it just kept surfacing as the title of the album. And we kept putting out, you know, we kept. You know, checking with all the people that, that work with the band and through management and agents and everything. And we'd list a few titles, but everyone kept coming back saying, Crash of the Crown, that should be the title. It just sounds right. 
So that's how, that's how it made it in. And now a word from our sponsors. Pat Francis from the Rock Solid Podcast here. And let me just tell you, life doesn't come with a user manual. You know, you get uh, in and out of relationships or you move to a new city or you're starting a new job. Sometimes just talking with family and friends doesn't do the trick. So here's what I recommend. Maybe try BetterHelp. BetterHelp therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient, secure, and accessible anywhere, 100% online. You know, you're on vacation, you're on a business trip, and you need to talk to someone. Well, that's where BetterHelp comes in. In a perfect world, everyone would be able to talk openly and honestly with their friends and family about some of the problems they may be experiencing. But we know that isn't always the case, so BetterHelp is a great option. With BetterHelp, you can learn coping skills, self-empowerment, and how to deal with trauma. Again, everyone deserves to feel their best, and BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. As the world's largest therapy service, they've helped put millions of people together with professionally licensed and vetted therapists, available 100% online. All the benefits of in-person therapy, plus it's more convenient, more accessible, and more affordable. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. And get this, no waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. If you're stuck, then it's time to get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash rocksolid. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash rocksolid. Now back to the show. So it's not really a concept album, but it, it's a theme album. There's some themes in there that. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Pat. It's, it's, it's thematic in that, as I said uh, prior, there were some sort of cataclysmic event unnamed uh, is, is overcome in yeah. some way. And, and um so, so that that spirit of renewal, I think, runs through every single song, right from "Fight of Our Lives" to even to "Lost at Sea," um, which is, oh, by the way, so that there's a, a nice little piece of music I get to do that that I that I came up with for the band called "Lost at Sea." 30, 38 I, seconds, thirty eight seconds right. long. It's like a, an interlude. Fourth fourth shortest song in the history of rock. <laughs> Third is "Her Majesty" by uh, the Beatles. Uh, Oh shoot! I forget what number two is. Definitely number one is Napalm Death's uh, "You Suffer," which is one second long. But <laughs> incredible piece of music, by the way. Uh, I have it sampled. I sometimes hit it in in uh, on my keyboard when we're doing the sound check. Just to go nice. Napalm Death. Barrel. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anyway, Lost at uh, Sea. Lost at Sea is a, a piece where I bring Chuck on stage, Chuck Panazzo, and the two of us do that as a little duet. Right, I'm doing that because you see, I always have the piano. You know, anyway, we do that as a duet, and that leads that segues into this song. Okay, I've heard that one. I've heard that one. With. So that's that's the familiar riff at the top of uh, "Come Sail Away." So we have a little thematic moment there that connects a, a piece of music from "Crash of the Crown" with. Uh, with uh, with come sail away and the audience seemed to really munch that up with great appetite. yeah I mean that's terrific. I had a dream about the ocean 
ask you this i think the last time i saw you guys was pre uh pandemic at yeah. the saban theater in beverly hills okay. uh are you still jumping off the keyboard <laughs> still climbing up there and jumping off so still climbing up there yes still okay. doing a bit of jumping yes not jumping off the height of the keyboard because two knee operations later and i i think i'm starting to almost learn my lesson <laughs> after my first knee operation on my left knee my my uh, doctor came out and saw the uh, saw the the, the band about uh, 6 months later when my knee had had, uh, had healed and uh, you know i was still jumping off the piano <laughs> he said all i could think of through the show is i wonder when he's going to need that right knee done <laughs> and uh, yeah he was yeah he said he was right he said within the next year and he was correct and then i had the right knee done and then i, I realized okay there's a certain height i have to acknowledge that there's a certain height i can't jump from anymore there's a great little clip of video when we did this <laughs> when we did the super bowl we've done two super bowls we did it the first time uh we were from the stage i could actually get to the field and i noticed the field had the it was the astroturf but it was springy yeah you know? yeah it had a bit of it so i i thought well in front of seventy five thousand people i'm just gonna go for it. <laughs> and i went off that thing and there's a great picture of that um it looks like i'm like parachuting in without a parachute uh but when i landed i i, I collapsed but i didn't i didn't blow my knee out at all because the, the ground was soft the cushion yeah and uh so if you're if you ever happen to be playing the Super Bowl, check if it's bouncy enough. All you young singers out there, I mean, you guys that are under sixty, now go ahead, just go for it, jump, go for it, as you can. yeah, be a showman. Come on, give yeah. us something. Yeah, come um, on. They're not going to come just to watch you play the piano. <laughs> so I remember, um, I remember when you got me uh, live the first time was uh, Grand Illusion. I mean, uh, not an easy song to sing. No, and you nailed it. And and you sounded, you made it your own, without changing anything. I don't I don't know how to explain what I'm saying. Like yeah. it was it was totally authentic, totally sticks, and it just incredible. Well, thank you.
that that's a great song and it, it's a it's a fine line to try to figure out okay i want to honor the original i want to I, I i don't sound like dennis DeYoung, but i i but I, I I I know what the bravado is that's in that song, you know, personality-wise, and I know the, uh, the uh, the the take that it is, and I'm able to, as I say, I can completely personalize it because if ever the grand illusion existed, it's today with the, you know, what we're, this device we happen to be on right now, or right, you don't know what to take as as uh, you know how big a grain of salt you have to take <laughs> to uh, discern between reality and 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 what's real and what's not. Um, you know, obviously right now my face is completely filtered. My, my face is actually on the floor. <laughs> uh, it's, actually, I got some good lighting today. Um, this hotel room, we lucked out. So, uh, yeah, folks, this is, this is what good lighting does. Imagine that lighting. So, uh, yeah, Grand Illusion, I, I really enjoy doing this song. As I say, there's a great bravado to it, especially with the, the intro to it, um, you know, sets up a, a, an almost carnival-like atmosphere uh marching you know kind of atmosphere you know that that i'm really uh drawn to and so it's it's well teed up i remember the first show i ever did that the first time we i played with the band in 1999 that was the first song i had to sing and uh taking a sip break clink <laughs> so uh the, the that was the first break uh sorry the first um song i had to sing uh in front of the audience and i remember thinking Wow, these these uh, the faithful here in the house have only ever heard one singer sing this song, and he sings right. it extremely well. And uh, I I thought, well, we'll know it probably in about the next three minutes whether this is going to work or not. And and fortunately, by the end of it, you know, the song won out. You know, it's a great song, and and the audience, you know, were all with their arms in the air and big smiles in their faces. And I remember JY coming over with kind of a a grin going, you know, because he said he was extremely confident that this would work out uh, with us together. And uh, Grand Illusion was kind of the litmus test, I suppose you'd call it, for that uh, for that moment. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let me ask you this. Everyone in the band is a showman. Like at any time I can focus on any individual member. Exactly. Um, Todd on drums yes. is amazing to watch. Yeah. JY and Tommy's interaction. So much yeah. fun. So yeah. you're, you're, you know, 22 years ago, you come in, the keyboard spins, you're taking Polaroids, you're doing all your stuff. Yeah. Do you, do you have to, how does this work in rehearsal? Do you say, Hey, this, these are some things I'm going to do. Is that okay with you guys, or do you just spring it on them? I'm gonna. Great question. First of all, that's really that's you've you've asked the question there that it's to me at the, at the heart of why this band has had such longevity, um, and in my you know my inclusion in the band why why it's worked out so well. As I look across the stage from my vantage point, 
I'm as entertained by the band as anybody in the audience, because as you mentioned, everyone's a front man. There are songs, you, most of too much time in my hands, most of it, except for the courses, I just look at Todd because he's so entertaining to watch. Yeah. He's just such a, he's such a phenomenal musician. And that's saying a lot because he's just a drummer. Anyway, the, uh, <laughs> my son will love that. Um, yeah, it, it, he's a phenomenal musician. And I watch what he does with the songs and how he can make them so entertaining and so musically. He uh, doesn't make them intricate. He makes them just musically nuanced every night. So there's that. Then there's the, as you mentioned, the interplay between uh, JY and Tommy is uh, that that's that is one for the rock record books because they are such opposite individuals, and yet it just goes to show how you know two human beings of of completely different mindsets can 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 comprise a phenomenal uh, thing can happen when they when they're working together. So you can take that in many ways. Um, but same with, uh, with with Ricky Phillips and now with Will. And when Chuck comes out, his personality just beams and, and you have authenticity that's hooked right back to the very origins of the band yep. uh, that stretches even beyond the 50 years because, you know, uh, from my Sticks history class, I understand it all started in, in the Panazzo basement. So, um, yeah. And then on top of that, really whatever I wind up doing on the spinning keyboard is really spur of the moment. You know, there, there are some things that, that work night after night. Uh, you know, when the audience start to sing the chorus of come sail away, I like getting up on top there when, uh, you know, when, when we're doing blue collar man and I got to skip a verse that I, I like sending that thing for a, for a spin while I do a few spins myself. It's just, it's just part of the, the atmosphere that we're, that that's created during a stick show. And it, it's, it's, we know it's infectious because we see the audience begin to more and more drop their, which you want them to drop all, all apprehension and, and, and uh, um, you know, being overly self-aware and just letting themselves go into the experience. Yeah. One night I was at a show at the will turn stick show. Yeah. And um, you started to break into some ragtime piano. Oh yeah. And you just, and the band kind of looked back and you were like, who doesn't like ragtime? <laughs> My friend and I, we were just cracking up because we were just like, this guy, this guy gets it. This guy's it's funny. Oh, that's funny because I remember, you know, they in a band of uh, guitar players, they're all real piano fans. It's amazing to me that they're all very, you know, Tommy Shaw wrote uh, Renegade on piano. You know, he's a, he's a, he's, he can play the piano somewhat, not, uh, not, to the level he played the guitar, but the uh, and JY took piano lessons was his first instrument. Ricky Phillips plays piano. Todd is a, Todd's brother is a great keyboard player. So um, it's amazing how uh, you know back then, yeah, the, the breaking into the ragtime thing would um, would kind of put a smile on their faces, and then that's morphed into you know I get a, I get a, a portion of the show every night where I'm alone on stage on piano, yeah, and I can play some little piece. And uh, for the longest time, I keep hold. I asked you to hold my calls. Oh, no one's there. I have no sense. <laughs> I will just let that ring on. But you want me to go get it? Go whatever you need to do. I'm yeah, fine. I'm sure it's housekeeping. They've given up. Excellent. All right. So, um, yeah. The, uh, now, what I've been doing recently, I mentioned Lost at Sea. That's a, that's a duo piece with uh, with Chuck. But prior to that, I usually play Key Dive, which is a piece from the Mission. 2017 and that's the uh that's kind of my 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 you know piano show turn 
uh, moment uh, in the show, and and you know they they give me the stage to myself for that uh, for that uh, period of time. I'm glad you brought up the mission because I have in my notes that the mission is a concept album. Very much so. And I was kind of shocked when Styx released a concept album yeah. because the, fa- the band famously wasn't really a fan of the concept album Kilroy was here. Right. So, I can put some, I can give you some clarity on that again from my Styx history class. Okay. And the fact that I've been in the band for well over a couple of decades now the and I'm speaking on behalf of uh, of the guys who were there for that Kilroy was here tour. Yeah, um, they've never once had anything disparaging to say about the music or even about the concept. All right, it, good, good to know. Quite frankly, it was that tour that that kind of broke up the band and the decision. <clears throat> some decisions were made along the way. Obviously, I wasn't there, so I'm I'm paraphrasing that that kind of spoiled the spirit of what the band was trying to accomplish and uh being uh, feeling that they were it was incumbent upon them to to go through with that uh, concept and how they presented it on stage uh, night after night was became quite arduous you know yeah. and uh it it, it, it the, the end result was they split you know so yeah. so that's always going to leave a bit of a bad taste in your mouth until you know, you get something, someone new in there, like myself, like he's going, we better start playing Mr. Roboto. It's such a, it's a unique piece in the history of rock and it's a sticks piece of music and let's play it. Um, you know, much, for, much for the same, the song has had great longevity. So that's why I felt, and not only that, but I, I can really relate to the character in the song, uh, having a secret that he wants to reveal. Yeah, uh, so I, I just I like that that uh, point of view in a, in, a, in a piece of music, um, and uh, so as as I say, yeah, the idea of doing a concept record was not as foreign as people think. Often right, when people are writing reviews, they'll they'll just add their own little bit in there, and that becomes kind of the uh, that becomes the uh, the accepted uh, norm or the accepted truth. And uh, as I say. That's never been the way it's been presented. Yes, they did. They didn't like doing that whole concept tour, okay. But they weren't necessarily against the concept of of what it is, which I think is a great concept, right? Um, so uh, when it came to doing the mission, yeah. I, the other thing is being a classic rock band of the progressive era. It's the progressive side of sticks that I'm most attracted to. Um, 
you have license to do concept records. That was a form, an art form that was developed by those bands of that era. Yes, and Genesis, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and Sticks, and Jethro Tull. They all had records that had some conceptual backing to them. Um, oh, there's Todd there. And uh, yeah, he wants me to give him a call, which I will. That was likely him on the phone. Okay, we'll wrap so it people, up soon. People, I know. Are, people are keeping score. And so... Uh, uh, yeah, so so a concept record, I, I embraced the idea immediately when. Okay, when cool. And up. and I asked that question because I didn't know, and it's good when people hear mm -hmm. it from someone who's in the band and in the know. So thank you for answering that. As sure, far please. as the mission goes, I love the song "The Greater Good," written by you and Tommy with your co-lead vocals. You guys just sound so good together. Thank you. That's great to hear. You could lay down in this hole you dug Just fade away into the red sand But we all know it's not who you are You've come too far to be stranded on this star but we're not here to take a prize You know, just open up your eyes The things that got us here have little weight Perhaps a chance to be a man You dream to be, you know you can Come on, suit up, and we won't let you fail On a um, That song actually uh, began to emerge around 2013. I remember Tommy played me what was what wound up being the verse of the song. Um, you know, you could lay down. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And then I, I took that home or took it to my hotel room, <clears throat> but ultimately came home with that 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 chorus. I don't know if you can hear that or not, but um, yeah, I can hear. It. Good. The uh, uh, and then when the mission came up, it was there as one of the little ideas that needed to be fleshed out, and uh, and the story kind of uh, was weaved into the idea of, of of someone trying to go out on their own and realizing they really need their their they need the support team emotionally and physically behind them in order to accomplish any uh what they're trying to do so i i thought that was beautifully thematic and within that theme but also so much of the mission <clears throat> so much of the narrative of the story is it, you can take it on the surface level which is it's a mission to mars and then right. beyond uh <clears throat> or it's often sounds to me like the interaction between a team and it can be a it could be a hockey team or a basketball team or whatever, or it could be a band. I also see that because the dynamic that goes through your your mind when you're when you're within a band's uh, uh, the, the personalities, the dynamic of it, and trying to trying to keep the level of the band above any human um, foibles, let's call them those, uh, is is kind of in the story of the mission to my ear anyway, and that's part of why I think the concept works on several levels. Uh, I want to go way back to 1982, the album Gowan. Yeah. Uh, in preparation for talking to you today, yeah. I was listening to the Gowan albums. Oh. Uh, there's a song on there called Keep Up the Fight. That's right. That song actually reminded me 
of the Sticks song. It just there were elements in there. I'm sure it does because I'm though my my records that came out in the 1980s um, were very. I had to be kind of progressive rock had gone into a kind of a a weird place in the 80s, and uh, you couldn't kind of get a long piece of music really on television, and you had to get on television, and and the the, the songs I got did you know were. were or TV uh, staples, I guess you'd say, in, in Canada, and keep up the fight. Uh, kind of, it's funny because that first album was not, it's the only album I ever did that wasn't a commercial success. It actually didn't do too well at all. But the the, the mantra of, of keep up the fight kind of became a, a motto that, that, that I kept using. And now, it, you know, a couple of years later, three years later, when this, my second album sold really well, it was triple platinum, people went back and bought that first record and realized right. and keep up the fight became a staple in my, in my live shows. And it still is in, in the gallon shows that we do. Yeah. And yes, and sticks elements, Genesis elements, you know, little bits, bits and pieces are definitely in there. And that's probably why I was able to attract some of the great progressive rock artists that I grew up loving to, to be on my solo records, you know, John Anderson and Alex Lifeson and Robert Fripp and most of all, Jerry Murata and Tony Levin, you know, they all played on my, my solo records and yeah. Um, yeah so elements were in there. So 1985, we, I have to mention this strange animal yeah. produced by David Tickle yeah. features the rhythm section you just mentioned yeah. and you win two Juno awards, best video for criminal mind and best album graphics for the yeah. album itself. And then in 2018, Criminal Mind was finally certified platinum. Yes. In Canada. Yeah. All those years yes. later. platinum single a platinum a platinum single. single that's you see because it it became a gold single within three weeks of it being released uh, quite honestly it 
that this is a whole part of the story and i don't think i'd be in sticks if it hadn't gone this way that record took off a criminal mind took off so quickly in canada and it got to number one and it was like every radio station was the most requested song of the day within three weeks it was a gold single so that's in canada in america that would be five hundred thousand. in canada it's one tenth the population so it was fifty thousand records which in canada is a lot within three weeks sure um it was almost considered imminent that 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 the connection of that record in the United States would would be just as successful. And then the music industry stepped in and and uh, my records never got released in the US. So so that's a whole other story that's yeah, whole a whole other chapter. But yes, when I joined Sticks, one of the first one of the first things that Tommy Shaw said was, "Can we make criminal a criminal mind a stick song?" So we still play it. We just played yep. it in Toronto it, just a couple of weeks ago. It's on this album. Oh, that's right. It is I, on that one. Yeah, too. that's the first time we did it. Yeah. I stand accused before you. I have no tears to cry. Day I That sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, one more thing, and then I'll let you go. I want you to rest your voice for tonight's show and all that good stuff. The first studio album with Sticks that you were on is from 2003. It was Cyclorama. Right. Uh, all tracks, I think, were credited to the band as songwriters. That's right. yeah, that's and the first time we heard your voice on a studio Sticks album was Fields of the Brave. Sometimes I close my eyes and picture the plains I see Buffalo Bill and the Iroquois riding again Open skies, fertile ground This was heaven on earth that they found of the brave the fields of the brave yeah. that's an excellent tune thank you very, very nice. much
Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I, I'm really happy with that song. I actually had it prior to joining Sticks, and then when I joined the band, they kind of upped it and made it. Uh, you know, did their, did their, they got Sticksified, so it got improved in in all kinds of ways. Uh, but thank you. Yeah, Field to the Brave was uh, it was a good tune. We we did that one live on that tour in 2003. Yep. Yeah, we did um, we did Field to the Brave. And the following year, we did um, More Love for the Money, which was another one I had on that record. The cats were on the table. They were waiting for their dinner till the children came and shooed them all away. Daddy's at the racetrack, desperate just to pick one winner. Will he ever be a hero of the day? She sacrificed for nothing of value And why is it I buy the shit that nobody wants to More love for the money That's all I'm after More buzz for the honey And a bit more laughter Why is that so much to But one with everything became the the song that had the most legs to it, you know. And I I, I love that version of of sticks because that's a truly progressive type of uh, piece of For music. Sure. So we're off to a good start with that. When you uh, when you joined Sticks, did you think it was going to be a temporary position? Like, hey, we need we need someone for the tour. Would like we'd love if you could join us. Was it in your mind a temporary thing? Well, okay. So, like anything in show business, you better get it in your mind that it's a temporary thing because it like. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. It like so. I had no. I had no long-term plans as far as doing it, but I had a feeling when we met in person over the phone, it was like, yeah, I'll come and do these. They had 33 shows. I think it was for their summer tour. Yes. I, you know, if it works out, I'll come and do those shows. I had to move a pile of my own tour shows away. And so I left that to the agent people. But when we met that very first meeting was at Tommy Shaw's house. It was, here, back then, he lived in Los Angeles, and he lived. It was the closest house to the Hollywood sign. Literally, you'd look out the window, and, and it was like right. You didn't even have to look up; it was right in front of <laughs> right there. 
And it was kind of a Hollywood scripted thing because when I went in, uh, you know, met Tommy J.Y. Uh, Todd and uh, their ma- our manager, Charlie Brusco. And um, there was just this kind of sense of simpatico. We kind of were similar people. We were, we were immediately kind of laughing at the same things, which is a, a big test, you know, when you find certain things humorous enough. Um there was a, a kind of a nervous energy in the room. But once I started playing with him, once we heard our voices together, I thought this might go beyond this, this summer tour. You never know. Well, yeah. First of all, I'm not even in the band yet. So let's, let's see how that, how that right. Makes. But by the next morning they said, yeah, we want, we want you to be the guy. And uh, our third show in, we had, once we started the tour that year, by the way, funny enough, we started on, it was seven seven no seven eight ninety nine. Yes, yeah, it was the uh, J- July the eighth. Let me think about that for a second. Yeah, July eighth, nineteen ninety nine. And when you put those numbers on your phone, seven eight nine nine, our agent, our agent said, "Wow, seven eight nine nine. I have to keep putting that in there. That spells sticks. <laughs> weird. That is so, weird. Yeah, it is odd. But um, w- once we did, I'd done our third show. I remember coming backstage and I'd. Um, I uh, just jumped off the piano for the first time, and our manager came back to kind of scold me about that <laughs> in a funny way. And he said, uh, "Yeah, I saw what you did out there. Uh, you know, don't don't kill yourself doing this because we, you know, we we'd like you to stay. Yeah, we have a hundred dates booked, so please. Yeah, we'd like you to stay. You know, and and it's it, this is looking really good. So tell me what what it's going to take to make you stay." And I said. Uh, I said, well, just, just don't hassle me about jumping off the piano. <laughs> All right. Here's what I want to tell my listeners about Sticks. Many of the bands that I loved when I was in high school, my favorite bands, they all have new members in those bands. Okay. Very few are able to keep everyone in, in a band. Yeah. When I go see a lot of those bands, I see everyone on stage and it looks like work. But with mm. Sticks. And with REO Speedwagon, it looks like fun. It looks yeah. like brothers. It looks like this is the band. And that's what I love. So well, I can just tell you guys, you can't fake it. I can tell you guys like each other and I can tell you're having fun. So if you've never seen Sticks, go see Sticks. That's great, Pat, because that, that, that is authentic. That we we truly love what we do. We want to do it as long as we possibly can. Uh, and what happens at a stick show is really, it's, it is, you know, I hesitate to use this word, but there is a magical thing that happens with people. I never have the slightest hesitation with saying to people, if you come to this show, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. So, um, you know, anyway, I've, yeah, I've never seen a bad stick show. There hasn't been one. No, no, not since you've been there. Well, I, I mean, I, I maybe even prior, but but the, the, the we really have never had even when there have been technical things go wrong, etc. Right. There always seems to be a, a there always seems to be a spirit there that uh, that that sees it through. Yeah. <laughs> Remember one night, it, actually, you're so you're in California in um, Carmel. We played about six songs in, and the power went out in the entire city. <laughs> we were in a venue. Uh, that was kind of, it looked like an old church that had been converted into a theater, large church. I mean, it had a couple thousand seats, but we acoustically finished out that show. 
And the audience loved it. And we loved it. It was like, it, like I don't know of any other band that would have grabbed that as, and seen that as an opportunity to kind of in, invent something in the moment other than these guys that I happen to be with. So uh, I'm very uh, thankful for the universe putting that in my in my wheelhouse. Well, Lawrence, thank you so much for giving me this time today. I know you have a show tonight. Yeah. I only have one more question for yeah. you. I end every episode with a playout song okay. and you get to choose it. It can be any song from Sticks or sure. your solo career, anyone, what would you choose? Well, let's go with Renegade because that's that's the way we always end the show. And that's that's always, I, around the world, by the time we get to Renegade, wherever we have played, it's amazing how different audiences are at the beginning of a show and how alike they are at the end of the show. It's something to observe from the stage that's really unique. And you see the power that music has and Renegade happens to be the song that we do at that point. And uh, and I just love the song. I love that it was in the in the last season of Ozark. There, it really got a great spin yeah. there. And uh, so let's play Renegade. All right, thank you so much. You can find Sticks information at sticksworld.com. On Twitter, you can go to at Sticks the Band. And please enjoy Renegade. Thank you, Lawrence. You got it. Nice to talk to you, Pat. All the best. Take care. Cheers. You too. Bye. Bye now. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Now a man has put an end to my running and I'm so
just like a pro. You've done it before. That was luck. <laughs>